Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Pierce is the mother truth. Knocks it down! Celtics win! 50 points for Jason Tatum! Brad, any final words of advice for the new coach? Win! It is possible! It is possible! Welcome to Celtic Strong, a podcast that journeys backwards through Boston Celtics history and lore. Join two proud fans who are definitely not experts as we look back era by era. Episode 2, The Orlando Bubble and the COVID Season. The COVID Season. The craziest season of our lifetime. Maybe ever. Yeah, and maybe for everyone. But it definitely began with the NBA. Very rare that you have such a... a a worldwide event of this magnitude and to have, especially in the U.S., the awareness of the seriousness of this pandemic start basically in the NBA with NBA players and a game being shut down at opening tip-off with the players on the court. Uh, what a wild, wild experience. And now looking back, uh, just a, a crazy wild ride of a season. It's totally unbelievable, and it's it's almost like NBA was the parent and everyone else were the kids, and they were like, okay, this is serious. Everything's going to stop right now because, I, you know, when they stopped that game, it, all of a sudden it was real. It was just real for everyone in the entire country. And stop they did. They suspended the season, and it was suspended from mid-March until August where it resumed in the Orlando bubble. Thank you to ABC, Disney, ESPN for providing a space where they could actually safely restart and finish the season and play out the entire playoffs in the Orlando bubble. Yeah, it was pretty remarkable feat and you got to kind of tip your hat to just the NBA and everyone for figuring that out and keeping everyone safe during that time 
and almost yeah. far safer than all the other sports or even subsequent seasons of the NBA were able to do in that short window. Indeed, yeah. Kudos to the NBA, Adam Silver, and everyone for creating what uh, seemed to be an incredibly safe bubble. I mean, the, they had uh, you know very little, if any, tests. I mean, I think no positive tests from within the bubble. Um, so, yeah, they really were able to, in the midst of a very uncertain time, pull this off and restart in Orlando. Can you imagine uh, 22 NBA teams <laughs> all staying in this abandoned wide world of sports, you know, campus and hotels and uh, what an experience! The the stories, the Instagram, you know, posts and stories, yeah. <laughs> uh, the just pictures of you know players uh, just creating stuff to do, having everything shipped in. <laughs> yeah, just a lot of uh, fascinating stuff off the court that really came out of that time. And uh, it really looked like an experience that, while hard to be you know isolated, probably brought a lot of the teams and players together and really uh, brought a lot of unity, which, of course, we saw in a lot of ways teams playing together really well, um, as well as social justice demonstrations. And a lot of very impactful stuff happened in such a, a short little moment in the Orlando bubble. So what we want to do, of course, is dive into the Celtics and their journey uh, from the regular season into the bubble and through the bubble. Yeah, absolutely. So they came into the bubble uh, firmly in the East playoffs, uh, as they have been for the last five-plus years. And they played really well. I think in the eight games, they went, uh, I believe, six and two, something like that. Uh, so they played well um, You know, after the long layoff. Took a little time for everyone to get back into you know full game shape which is why those games were great right do you think the bubble leveled the playing field you know for all the teams or did it give other teams certain teams certain advantages playing in the bubble certain teams that may not have had as much of a chance to make the playoffs outside of the bubble not only played well in the bubble, but there also was the first iteration of what we saw this year. There was a form of the play-in tournament. It was a little different, uh, but it did allow for the opportunity for those top 10 seeds uh, in the conference to have a shot at the playoffs. And then additionally, the bubble created an isolated atmosphere, and that allowed for... Uh, a lack of distractions, um, and certain teams and types of players seem to excel in that setting. So we had a lot of factors that really did, yeah, create a different environment there, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, I almost forgot. So it's really 2019, 2020 was the season of, you know, our brave brothers have left, and it's our team now, and we can't rely on Al Horford. We can't rely on. Kyrie Irving, it's just we have to support this team on our own. And yeah. So going into the season, we're ready for this next, you know, step. And we're ready for the next phase of the two J's development. And, you know, the season's going pretty well. Uh it, we're a good team. 
we're scrapping, we're, you know, in games, and boom, we have the stoppage. And, you know, I think older teams, it's, you know, it's been said that the Lakers really benefited from the stoppage because sure. uh, teams with older players got more time to rest them. Uh, but anyone who was dealing with integrating new players like Kemba, right. um, potential injuries like both Kemba and Hayward, um, you know, we had plenty of time to get on the same page and get right and head into that bubble ready to compete. And by all means, the Celtics definitely did. They showed up ready to play in the bubble and came out playing well. Uh, I was definitely excited. I mean, just the fact that they could restart the NBA season after the first few months of COVID was so amazing. I remember just being so excited for something to watch. Yeah, I live. know. <laughs> Do you remember that, Steve? Like, yeah. all live, everything, everything stopped. And it just was no, like, oh. The fact that basketball bookended that, too. Where it was like, we're stopping everything, and now we're going to pick up Again, with basketball, be the first thing back. Um, but yeah, they went on a remarkable run, and they almost went all the way, which is it should not be forgotten, right? When we're talking about the this wacky, crazy 2019-20 season. Yeah, absolutely. They they had a lot of a lot of success in the bubble. Um, you know, there's a couple moments. The famous Bam Adebayo block in the Miami series. Um, you know, that doesn't happen and maybe they win that series and, right. uh, who knows, um, their chances against the Lakers, you know, weren't, weren't necessarily great, but really just who knows. Um, and of course Hayward doesn't sprain his ankle. Um, maybe it looks different. Nonetheless, uh, a very, very fun bubble to watch, um, the Celtics and other storylines, but the Celtics alone from strong showing to, I mean, other than the Philly series, which of course Ben Simmons gets hurt and that uh. makes that one not very competitive. And, you know, Embiid's not able to carry them alone. Uh, looks a little out of shape, if we're being honest. Um, <laughs> from that layoff, maybe, who knows? Embiid certainly a little bit. has his uh, critics. Um, what a force. But yeah, so that one wasn't competitive, but then got that amazing seven-game series against Toronto. That one is crazy. I mean, a lot of memorable moments uh, on both sides. The OG Ananobi three, huge, huge moment for Toronto, but ultimately Marcus Smart's block and, yeah. uh, and the Celtics coming through in game seven. And then the Heat series, uh, even though it only went to six, Still super competitive and uh, without a couple key plays like that by a block and a few other plays, that goes seven and maybe goes the Celtics' way. So, yeah, really a couple moments away from the finals. Very close. Very close. couple moments, couple play, healthy players, and we're in there playing the Lakers, which is kind of crazy hard to believe. Ah, uh, how fun would that have been? That would have been so cool. Um, before we go back um, out of the bubble into the regular season, real quick, who was your favorite Celtic in the bubble? Was there someone that you were following and just kind of getting a kick out of either on social media or? Yeah, I was definitely following the antics of Taco Fall 
and Cantor especially. <laughs> um, but really the player who I think ascended to um, one of, if not my favorite current Celtic, was Jalen Brown. Yeah. Jalen Brown was really starting to show the offensive maturation that he showed in this past season. Um, but additionally, there was an environment where, you know, with Hayward's continued injury issues and his and Tatum's, you know, just dominance physically, uh, he was really able to shine uh, in his play. And just, he's such a complete player and such an ideal player for today's NBA. And, yeah. you know, additionally, um, just such a, a smart, intelligent, uh, dedicated player. So uh, I really, both on and off the court, uh, started to fall in love with uh, his, his game and personality and commitment. And yeah. he's really committed, you know, to the team and to being such a positive force. I agree. I agree with you. Something is brewing. Something's really brewing with that dude. And it's, you know, you could just really see it happening in the in this shortened season. So I'm sorry, in the 2019, 2020 season. They're beginning to really turn the page on the previous few years. And that was, you know, both Kyrie and of course also uh Al Horford leaving and uh just turning over of those two really key positions around wings, which is your point guard yeah. and your center, right? And yeah, and, and leadership roles. I mean, I think those guys held the leadership voice. And then, so them leaving, I think, created this vacuum that it became um, the two Jays team, ultimately. Because I don't, it wasn't Kemba's team. He just showed up. Gordon Hayward hasn't, you know, Hayward wasn't on the court enough. Yeah, um, to to really take that leadership role. So I think that was kind of the gift of of this season was these guys being leaders. Yeah, and one thing it also uh, ended up really cementing is Marcus Smart's place along the two Js as a leader. And what we've seen now is that I mean, first of all, Marcus is the longest tenured Celtic um, right. by a bit now. And the elder statesman, uh, which is so funny, it's just so funny to me because coming on the heels of the last big three era and the rebuild, Marcus was the new guy, right? Right. And yeah. the young, you know, tough-nosed guard. And now he's the elder statesman, which is just such a funny uh, role not real reversal, but just funny um, flip over those few years. And so um, going into this season, yeah, like you, right, like you said, Kemba's newer, um, Gordon's just getting back into form. Um, it's an interesting chemistry between the players. Um, when you think about leaders, you think about either vocal guys um, who are like, you know, talk. Uh, who communicate, guys like KG, right? right? LeBron, even um, at this. Yeah, phase, you hear right? them out. Like, you hear them out there. You hear them. Yeah, you like see them like they're floor generals. Floor generals, like um, yeah. so. You didn't have that exactly. Um, you lose Horford and Kyrie, and you're looking at the team, and 
you know, Kemba's new and he's also a little bit quieter, a little softer spoken guy. Um, and then, you know, Marcus, like we said, the longest tenured guy, but Marcus is not like he's not necessarily a starting player even if everyone's healthy he's more of a sixth man so it's a little you're you're a little unsure of where that leadership's gonna come from with the two jays being so young still going into the season Cantor's new tice is you know he's younger he's not he's not american which i don't know how much that plays in but it seems to play in a little bit he seems to be sort of a little more removed from the core uh of that sort of vocal leadership. And so how did you feel, um, since we were talking about Marcus Smart before, I'm just curious how you how you viewed his season in this bubble season. Yeah, Marcus is uh, a player who, you know, has often been sort of cast in or thrust into roles, and sometimes uh, those roles aren't always the best for him. I think it can definitely be said over the last five years that he's had to create, uh, he's had to shoulder offensive loads. He's even had to start quite a bit more than I think was intended or would be ideal for him. Initially, I think the expectations for Marcus were uh, pretty in line with what you're going to get from him. And then as the season went on, you know, he's just got to step up when he's got to step up. And I think that's something that, you know, Marcus is appreciated for his hustle and defense and tenacity. And maybe one thing that isn't mentioned as much as could be is how often he's had to just be this, whatever it is. You know, you've got to be the starting two guard now. You've got to be the starting small forward. Right. You've got to stop the best team's yeah. best player, you-, you know. Yeah. Do you think that that all of that changing his roles or asking maybe too much of him or different things of him confusing him caused him to didn't help him to become the best decision maker on the floor? I think that it is definitely muddied his role on the team. And whether or not it's played into the actual decision making, right? Like his actual development as far as basketball IQ and decision-making as a playmaker, that's harder to say. Certainly, if he's not being clearly placed in that role where he's a ball handler, decision-maker, and then coached in that role, yeah, how could it not? Uh, How could it not have an effect on that? Um, And... It's also important to, to <laughs> it's also important to acknowledge that Marcus Smart is Marcus Smart. He's a very yeah. clear, you know, strong presence, and I think he has certain parts to his personality and game that we're going to come through. But yeah, much like we've talked about the two J's and them being able to grow in the absence of these other players because of the injuries and inconsistency of players uh, around them, I think Marcus also hasn't necessarily necessarily gotten to develop or continue to develop into an ideal role and position because of having to step up whenever anyone goes down. He seems to be the guy that always just gets plugged in, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, and it speaks to his versatility, and he is able to to go out there compete and has the ability to electrify, you know, the players around him. So why wouldn't you turn to him, you know, in the right. pinch? Uh, but I think in the in the end, it, yeah, he didn't it didn't cement his role and really stamp on the team in a way that if these other things, health concerns, and other yeah players were available that he you know he may have actually shined a bit more right yeah and any player like a marcus smart who's ultimately a role player is going to play as well as the role that he's asked to play so marcus is an all nba defender he is one of the most tenacious wing defenders you've got drew holiday You've got, you know, a couple other guys, but Marcus is an all NBA defender. And there I don't think there is a pundit who will disagree with that. He's a great defender, flopping aside. And yeah. he is tough. He's count, you know, you can count on him late in games. He's a guy you want in late in games. Absolutely. In important games. In important games. And he's not necessarily who you want as your starting point guard or shooting guard in important playoff games. Right. So I think Marcus has had to play above his ideal role and the bubble was another example. And unfortunately in the Miami series, especially there were a couple moments in the later games where I felt he was really playing out of his role in depth and contributed to them losing those last few games. So with a player like Marcus, a role player, uh, you know, we always, always want to look at what his net positive and negative is on the team because his hustle and stats don't always show up in the box score, but he's certainly a guy who's a winning all-out basketball player. We... We still, though, need to step back from a player like Marcus and be able to evaluate whether or not he helped uh, or hurt the team in crunch moments. And I think if he's not asked to play so many of those crunch moments, if he's not asked to handle the ball, to bring the ball up the court in the crunch moments of the fourth quarter throughout the playoffs because you have a healthier Kemba, a healthy Hayward, then that's a more ideal role. So, you know, with Marcus, it's tough, but I think we always have to look at what are we asking him to do, and is that outside of what he actually is as a player? Yeah. So heading into this season, we already know that it's going to be a roster shakeup, and there's going to be evolving roles for players. And after Kyrie left and the Horford signing news – I think that Ainge and the leadership felt like we got to do something, right? Yeah. Uh, We've just lost two players of the caliber of Horford and Kyrie. We need to do something big. And they had an obvious need at starting point guard. Um, So who's available? Kemba Walker, right? So they go out and get Kemba. Um, What's amazing, I think, is really how well that team did did actually play together uh, for a lot of that season. And what maybe looked like a big step back in some ways 
uh, losing an offensive player of the caliber of Kyrie, as well as a defensive anchor in Horford, somehow that team didn't drop off, right? They were right. top, as we've said, top five in both offensive and defense still. Did you see that coming when they signed Kemba? Were you like, I mean, you said no. that you followed Kemba a little bit, but. No, definitely not, because while his offense was amazing, he is not known as a great defender, and a lot of that is because he's undersized, right. especially in today's game. And so basically, you're telling me, <laughs> what you're telling me is we got right. a shorter Kyrie Irving, yeah. um, right? And Kyrie's not known as a great defender. However, he's 6'3 and very quick and not a bad team defender when he's engaged. And then, you know, essentially the only like actual replacement for Horford, like the only body to serve a lot of those minutes they got was Inez Cantor, very skilled offensive big man, yeah, good rebounder, also not known as a good defender at the five position. At I all. remember, yeah, I really remember that going into the season thinking like, man, what are they going to be like on defense? And then Right, being pleasantly surprised by what they were doing, considering that, you yeah, know, pa- on paper it looked like they took a step back. They were actually really good, and how they were doing that was Daniel Tice, yeah, playing at the five, Tatum and Brown both being really good defensive players. You know, Tatum is starting to get defensive recognition, but uh, was really underrated still. Jalen Brown, of course, great defender. And then with, you know, Hayward back for a lot of the season at pretty full strength or very high level, Hayward's a great defender in the right system. Right. Hayward is a big, strong wing uh, who's a great team defender. So earlier in the season, you know, as Kemba's getting integrated, Marcus is playing big minutes still. Brad Wanamaker's a good, big defender at point guard. You actually have a really good defensive team. Yeah. Yeah, and I think their intention was to have Kemba, the two Jays, Hayward, and Tice, right? And then you have Marcus, Wanamaker, uh, a couple of the young guys, Cantor, right? Who are the rookies in this year? Yeah, so going into this season, uh, they had just drafted Grant Williams. That's right. Uh Uh-huh. And they, let's see, they had also just drafted Carson Edwards, um, Romeo Langford. They actually had quite a few um, rookies, both drafted and undrafted. Right. It was um, was Romeo Langford taking the highest, but he had like a finger issue or something that he wasn't able to play yeah. right away. Yeah. So they took Romeo Langford, then Grant Williams. Then they ended up getting Javante Green, who played some decent minutes, and uh Tremont Waters, I believe, in the second round. Uh then they signed Taco Fall as an undrafted free agent. So they actually had a bunch of young players. The only ones that really ended up playing meaningful minutes uh, were actually Grant Williams and briefly uh, Javante Green when they were thin at guard. 
Right. This to me feels like a team that maybe exceeded defensive expectations, but given all the factors, was pretty right on. Um, they finished third in the East, um, which is good, right? Yeah. But really, this team didn't. This team wasn't a surprise uh, too much in where they ended up. Uh, while there were certainly surprises, especially on the defensive end, as we've just been touching on. Yeah, but if you think of what a wild season it was and everything that they had to deal with and it being shut down and just you know dealing with your family's safety and your actual life to then have to come back and get back together as a team, get on the same page, and perform the way they did in the bubble with a whole bunch of injuries. I mean, it's just, I think... You can look at the Jays. You can look at you can look at a lot of positive things about that experience, you know, for this team, for even those rookies that were involved with it. Um, and hopefully, it continues to create a positive influence on them. And boom! And as hard as the you know loss, that final loss to the Heat was, as hard as it was to leave the bubble. Because, man, did they have it, you know, they just felt like they could beat anyone on any given night in the bubble. As hard as it was to have that season end, I think that was a pretty pretty good outcome. And hard to see them beating the Lakers in the finals. Sure. Um, So conference finals probably was the ceiling going into the season. Getting yeah, with back those, there. With those injuries, it would have been tough for sure. And we certainly contended. I mean, that Miami series was great and could have easily gone seven, as we've said, and could have easily been one. So to be there, to be knocking still on the door of finals and taking home a championship, uh, I think was a really great outcome. And really, we have to call the bubble and the end to this season a success. Uh, yeah. Any season where we don't bring home banner number 18 is a little disappointing. But overall, pretty successful season. Under the circumstances, that, definitely. I mean, I can't imagine going and staying in a hotel and not being able to see your family or anything and, and just... You know, going to play basketball in an empty stadium too, right? I mean, you're just taking away no fans, no fans. Everything that there is familiar about the experience for them is gone. And yeah, I just in the end, I just I hope that something maybe a little more special is just embedded in these guys. That and it was just overall a very solid and strong bonding experience for them. Most definitely. Up, you know, maybe a few years from now, it'll just they'll be that much better, that much stronger because of the experience. Well, it's definitely the most unique NBA season we've ever seen, and probably will ever see. And it made history uh, from you know Rudy Gobert essentially being COVID patient number zero <laughs> in the U.S. and that just simply becoming. A reality right then and there in the midst of uh, an NBA game. Yeah. Kudos to the 2019-2020 Boston Celtics for uh, keeping it together uh, through the COVID 
stoppage and coming into the bubble strong and uh, getting really, really close to having an amazing end to the season. Yeah, a bubble season to be proud of. A bubble season for the ages. For sure. Well, Steve, I think that's about all the time we have today. Thank you all for listening. This has been another Celtic Strong podcast. Thank you. This was great to talk about the bubble. Hopefully we never have another season like it ever again. Thanks, y'all. Thank you.